Saolan Wu, a trailblazer in particle physics, shattered barriers as the first East Asian woman earning a physics doctorate. Her groundbreaking research, advocacy for diversity and dedication to environmental conservation have left a lasting impact. Welcome to Sweet Defiance, the podcast where we pair delicious sweets with compelling stories of forgotten historic women who made great achievements in science. My name is Beatrice and I'll be your guide through the life and accomplishment of extraordinary individuals. I am Eva, the scientific mind behind this podcast, bringing expertise and knowledge to uncover the wonders of the natural world. So for this week's pairing, Eva had another genius idea and um, See about that. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot even pronounce the name, so she's going to have to tell you guys. Today we eat the quarks quark tart. <laughs> quarks quark tarts. <laughs> yes. Um, it's, it all started with Beatrice's idea that we could make Hong Kong egg tarts, which actually sounded like a very, very nice idea. I think the idea is that they are a bit like pastel de nata mm -hmm. uh, type of thing, but it would have involved baking. And right now it's rather hot outside and I just couldn't bring myself to heat up the oven. So what we thought instead is that since we are talking about particle physics and you will hear the word quarks quite often today, and we have a dairy product in Switzerland, which is called quark, that's a, that's a perfect fit. I was very disappointed, however, to find out during my research that the quarks had nothing to do whatsoever with the dairy product. People just came up with the word because it sounded nice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have been too good, but, and as an additional spin on the whole thing, we have decided to use three types of fruit that correspond to three types of quarks, namely the up, the down, and the strange quarks. And if you combine three of the quarks, what happens is you get different particles. So for example, when you combine to up and the down quark, you will get a proton. Let's eat the proton. <laughs> <laughs> They're not easy to eat without making a mess. <laughs> very quickly made and very good for hot days. As always, we're going to put the recipe on our social media and on our website. So try it out, post some pictures on social media and tag us. The recipe this time is not much more complicated than buy some fruit, buy some tart shells and dairy and then just add it all together. Pretty simple, but very tasty. Saolan is originally from Hong Kong and she's still alive. So this is our first woman who's still alive. She's currently 83 years old and she's still doing her research. Saolan immigrated to the US in the 1960s, specifically to the state of New York. The 1960s marked a period of great social and political upheaval, with movements advocating for civil rights, women's liberation and anti-war activism taking center stage. John F. Kennedy vowed to address the pressing issues of injustice and inequality within the United States by proposing laws and reforms aimed to bring about significant change, which never came into being. The Cuban Missile Crisis and failed Bay of Pigs invasion was another disaster for Kennedy. And four years later, he was assassinated, ending his vision of a golden age for America. 
Wow, those were interesting times when Salam decided to immigrate to the US. One very important issue was the Black Empowerment Movement that was set in motion when four African-American students took a stand at a whites-only lunch counter in Greensboro, North Carolina in February 1960. The courageous act of defiance resonated deeply and ignited a larger movement. Hundreds of demonstrators joined them, returning to that same lunch counter daily, while tens of thousands of individuals flooded segregated restaurants and shops throughout the Upper South. The widespread protests captivated the nation's attention, exposing the unjust, brutal and arbitrary nature of the Jim Crow system. The core of these laws was racial segregation in all public facilities, including the education system and public transportation. The Supreme Court ruled that this was permissible as long as the principle of separate but equal was maintained. In practice, however, the facilities accessible to the black population were significantly inferior and underfunded. Finally, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 came into being and was a landmark legislation that aimed to end racial discrimination and segregation in various aspects of public life. It prohibited discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex or national origin in employment, voting, education and public accommodations. Still, during the 1960s, it's estimated that there were still over 10,000 sundown towns scattered across the United States. Um, Eva, have you ever heard of sundown towns? I'm afraid I haven't. Can you explain what this is? So I heard about this from a couple of podcasts, sundown towns, were communities where racial segregation and discrimination were enforced. And people of color, particularly African-Americans, were explicitly or implicitly prohibited from residing or remaining in these towns after sunset, or else they risk being lynched. Wow, that's really dark. The presence of over 10,000 sundown towns during that time is a stark reminder of the deep-rooted racism and inequality in American society. While the Civil Rights Act made progress, the impact and legacy of sundown towns and racial discrimination still persists, shaping the experiences of marginalized communities today. Saolan Wu was an immigrant and a non-Caucasian individual. Therefore, this is profoundly relevant, this context of the civil rights movement and this enduring legacy of racial discrimination in the United States. The struggles and injustices faced by African Americans during the 1960s mirror the challenges that many immigrants and individuals of diverse backgrounds have encountered in their pursuit of equality and acceptance. But let's get back to Saulan. There are not many sources detailing her biography, maybe because she's still alive, but one great source is the Vassar University Quarterly Magazine. Saolan was born in 1940 in Hong Kong, and her father had multiple concubines, with Saolan's mother being the sixth, and he strongly opposed uh, Saolan's pursuit of higher education. Despite his wealth and prominence, she was living in a slum, and her father believed it was time for her to start earning a living and supporting her mother. In secret, though, Saolan decided to apply to 50 American schools for a full scholarship, who all rejected her but one, and she received a full scholarship at Vassar. When she received this acceptance, she did not, she didn't have the courage to inform her father. However, fate had its own plans. Her father coincidentally received a letter notifying him of her admission while he happened to be in New York, staying with a friend whose daughter was about to graduate from Vassar. Saulan's father attended this graduation ceremony and was pleasantly surprised. The only complaint he voiced was about the reception, where only peanuts were served. 
this quite reminds me of my own bachelor's graduation uh, reception, actually. I think the university sponsored some croissants and maybe a bit of white wine. But apart from that, it was also a tad bit disappointing. Nothing compared to your PhD um, defense. That was a lot better, although then I had to bring all the food on my own. True. <laughs> so after this experience, her father supported Saulan's wishes to attend an American university. Her adjustment to life in the US was challenging and she fa faced difficulties along the way. Salan couldn't see her family for a long nine years, which was tough for her. American culture sometimes made her feel unsettled. For example, during a visit to the Supreme Court building with two other Chinese girls, they encountered two doors, one labeled white and the other labeled black for the bathrooms. This experience marked her first encounter with racial discrimination, leaving a lasting impact on her. Despite facing numerous challenges, Salan speaks highly of the generosity she experienced at Vassar. Salan later states that Vassar made her career and made sure she would succeed because uh, this was the only university that accepted her and gave her a full scholarship. So she's really grateful for that. Salan initially aspired to be an artist, but everything changed when she read the bi biography of Marie Curie. Inspired by Curie's life, she made a firm decision to dedicate herself to the field of science. During her time at the university, she had the opportunity to work as a summer student at Brookhaven National Laboratory on Long Island, where she developed a deep fascination with the study of particle physics. Particle physics. That's uh, my cue. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would like to start off by talking a bit about the standard model of physics, which contains both particles and elementary forces. Just to get everybody up on speed so that we know what we are talking about. And then later when we delve into Saulan's discoveries, I'll also detail those a bit more. Nice. Yes, but let's get started with the standard model. The standard model of particle physics is a theory that describes the fundamental particles and forces that make up the universe. It has been very successful in explaining a wide range of experimental data. The standard model includes three types of particles and four types of forces. Now, everything you see around you, from the tiniest speck to the grandest structures, is made up of elementary particles. These particles can be divided into two main groups, quarks and leptons. And as we've learned before, Quarks have nothing to do with the dairy product. <laughs> Now, quarks are the smallest particles that make up protons and neutrons, which are the building blocks of atoms. And a very famous member of the lepton family, which you have certainly heard of, is the electron, which are, of course, also present in atoms. Now, the third type of particles are called bosons. Bosons are force carriers that mediate the interactions between particles. And gluons and the Higgs bosons are examples of this category, and we will hear more about those later. Now, okay, we have covered the particle. Let's talk about the forces that shape the universe. We have four fundamental forces at play, the strong force, the weak force, <laughs> the electromagnetic force, and gravity. I really love physical nomenclature. <laughs> I mean, come, come up with things like strong and weak force. It's amazing. <laughs> Now, each force operates over a different range and possesses different strengths. 
Gravity, although the weakest, extends infinitely. On the other hand, the electromagnetic force, while also infinite in range, is significantly stronger than gravity. When it comes to short-range interactions at the subatomic level, the strong force takes the crown. Well, it's stronger than the weak force. It's responsible for holding quarks together within particle-like protons and neutrons. And guess what? The mighty force is carried by a particle called the gluon, which acts as a messenger or a glue between quarks. Now, the other forces have their own carrier particles too. The electromagnetic force relies on the trusty photon, like the one from the light, while the weak force has the W and Z bosons to do its bidding. Now, the standard model, which explains how these forces act on matter particles, successfully includes the electromagnetic, the strong and the weak forces and their respective carriers. However, it doesn't quite fit in the force we experience every day, which is gravity. Blending gravity with the rest of the forces has proven to be quite a challenge. Wow, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Just reminds me of the Big Bang Theory when Sheldon always goes back to it's a warm summer night evening when he tries to teach um, Penny about physics. Well, just wait until I try to explain the Higgs boson and then we'll go to, well, it's imagine you are at a party. Can't wait. <laughs> Let's go back to Salando first. So after completing her PhD, she continued her research as a postdoc and later as a research associate at MIT. It was during this time that she played a crucial role in what Newsweek hailed as the most significant breakthrough in physics in two decades, the discovery of a new particle known as the charmed quark in 1974. Sauron was an important part of one of the two teams that independently discovered the J-Psi particle, or this charm quark, which turned out to be a, a game changer. This discovery of this J-Psi particle was so groundbreaking that it sparked a revolution in high-energy physics, which we know now as the November Revolution. Not to be confused with all of the other revolutions that we have talked about, which <laughs> took part in the 60s. Now, it completely shook things up and paved the way for the establishment of the standard model of particle physics, which we have just discussed before, and which describes the relationships between particles and forces that make up our world. In that respect, it's also important to reflect on the fact that this standard model is not that old, so rather recent discoveries like this charm quark were first needed to actually fill in all the blanks of the standard model that we have today. After that, Saulan became assistant professor at the University of Wisconsin in 1977, and there were only two other women in her department. However, the leader of this research group encouraged her to explore her own interest and she joined a renowned German research center. It was there in the year of 1979 that she made another groundbreaking discovery, this time the gluon, the particle that binds other particles together. Her remarkable discovery led to her receiving the 1995 High Energy and Particle Physics Prize of the European Physical Society. In 1996, she was named a fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. Again, just to repeat, the gluons are a type of bosons 
which are these force carrier particles. And the gluons are responsible for holding or like gluing quarks together to form things such as protons and neutrons, which then in turn are the building blocks of atom cores. So without gluons, matter as we know it could not exist. And today, Saulan is a key member of the ATLAS team of physicists stationed at CERN in Geneva, Switzerland. It was in 2012 that this team achieved a significant breakthrough after two decades of intensive research, the discovery of a novel subatomic particle known as the Higgs boson. This momentous finding has contributed to the advancement of our understanding in the field of particle physics, shedding light on the components that make up the fabric of the universe, which sounds really awesome, but I'm not sure I understand what it is. (laughs) Well, you you are not the only person that doesn't. So maybe all your listeners, um, maybe you remember the craze in 2012 when the Higgs boson was discovered. Maybe you also remember to find it very difficult to understand what that thing actually is and what it does. Well, turns out you are not alone. Even before the experimental discovery of 2012, the British science minister posed a challenge as early as 1993 to come up with a good analogy of the Higgs boson, which by then had only been theoretically proposed. And somebody uh, came up with a good analogy and won a bottle of champagne for it. And uh, this analogy somehow goes like this. So in short, the Higgs field, not, not the boson, the Higgs field is responsible for giving mass to elementary particles, such as the quarks and the leptons. And the Higgs boson is a particle associated with that field. Now, the analogy is like that. So picture yourself at the buzzing cocktail party at CERN Laboratories. (laughs) Now, let's imagine that a tax accountant strolls into the room. Chances are no one in the crowd would really know them or know what to talk to them. So... The tax accountant can easily navigate through the party without anybody bothering them. But if, on the contrary, somebody like Sao Lan were to make an entrance, people would flock to her, eager to chat about her latest work and discoveries. Consequently, she would have to move more slowly through the room due to all the interactions. Now, in this analogy, think of the partygoers as the Higgs field, and the people moving through the crowd as particles that gain mass from this field. Just like a person who gets slowed down by enthusiastic party guests, a particle that gets a hefty mass from the Higgs field experiences a similar effect. And those clumps of partygoers forming in the room, well, yeah, they're like the Higgs bosons arising from the interactions within the Higgs field. Does it make more sense now? Yeah, I really liked the analogy. I'm not sure I could. You could follow all the way. <laughs> well, well, then I just propose that you and maybe our listeners have a look at the video that we link in the description. There's a really nice animated explanation with you that helps a lot. <laughs> that sounds great. I'm going to watch that next. <laughs> After this discovery, Saolan and her team dedicated their efforts to further investigate the properties using machine learning algorithms and other cool things um, to study this particle further more. 
And in one interview, she says that, quote, I have two missions in my life. One is discovery. I was extremely fortunate to have experienced two discoveries. So even if I hadn't found a third one, I'd still feel that I have had a rich life. The other mission is the education of graduate students. I have now graduated close to 50 PhDs and placed them very well. In addition to the physics, I also have a strong function in educating young people. So from her interview, it resonates how much she cares about her PhD students and also their experience supporting them in whatever they were interested in. Salan also talks about the competitiveness in the field of science, where time is always of the essence and there's never enough time. And she also answered a question in this interview, how she feels uh, about her achievements in a field that is mostly dominated by men. And her answer was, quote, you have to accept the fact that people think you're less competent. I remember reading in Life magazine that if you are a man, people assume you are competent until you prove you are not. If you are a woman, they assume you're not competent until you prove you are. I encountered that mentality a lot early on. If you're a woman and there's something not quite fair and you speak up, people get upset. When I became successful, people would point to me and say that I am an aggressive person. People have called me Dragon Lady. I'm not like that, but people make a picture of you. In the end, you have to be immune to this kind of criticism. Given the potential for enhancing our understanding of particle physics, Saulan and her team from the University of Wisconsin have dedicated their efforts to further investigate the properties of the Higgs particle. Specifically, they have employed machine learning algorithms to delve deeper into the study of this particle. Furthermore, Saulan and the, her team actively participate in the search for dark matter at the Large Hadron Collider. Oh, dark matter. That reminds me. We really should make an episode about Vera Rubin one of these days. Oh, that sounds really cool. But yes, so all in all, it was a really interesting episode. I learned a lot. Yeah, it was so exciting to, to read about particle physics again. It's so many years since I've had the chance to actually educate myself in particle physics. And I got really excited about talking about the 1960s in the US, as you may have noticed. So, revolutions in, in life and in particle physics. You can find our sources in the show notes. If you enjoy the show and want to help us grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. 